Hey everyone and welcome to season three and this episode number two. Thank you all for joining us today wherever you've downloaded us. I'm your host Robbie Cox. Now what a day it's been. The season three premiere on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. We've had a great day. We've already had Grant Hackett on the show and what an interview that was. And it brings me now to today's podcast, which is my one-on-one sit down with the newly appointed head coach of Australian Swimming, Rowan Taylor. Had a great chat with Rowan a few weeks ago about what he learned from former head coach Jaco Verharen, what he feels he brings to the team, where he sees the Dolphins team progressing in the next few years. We also discuss his club and high-performance coaching career culminating with Liesl Jones' gold medal in the 2008 Beijing Olympics. So this is your second podcast today. Grab a drink, grab some snacks, healthy ones, of course, and settle in because ep two, my chat with Rowan Taylor starts now. Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two one hundred in the second inning. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Joining me today on the show is a man who has coached at the highest level for the last two decades. He's had success with swimmers like Liesl Jones, Ash Delaney, Belinda Hocking, and Travis Marnie, and in recent years has been the state head coach for both Victoria and Tasmania. Only a few weeks ago, it was announced that he would be the new head coach of Australian swimming, leading the team towards Tokyo 2021. It's a massive welcome to Off the Block Swimming Podcast to Mr. Rowan Taylor. Rowan, how are you traveling, mate? I'm great, Robbie. Um, bit cold down here in Melbourne, but uh, but yeah, um, very very good. Thank you. Now, firstly, Matt, I, I want to start with a, a huge congratulations on the appointment of being the the next Australian head coach. It's a big job, and, and it comes with a lot of responsibility, but but no doubt an exciting challenge as well. Yeah, it is. Um, I think uh, maintaining a high standard um, for for um, our athletes and coaches to have access to is a really key point there. You know, obviously they, we, as we know, they all train and, and prepare in their home programs and, and then go into a really, I guess, challenging competition and really probably one of the more brutal competitions is, is our trials to get selection on the Australian team. And what we're really about is helping them prepare and then the challenge of making sure, particularly in the current environment where we're trying to make sure they got pool space access to prepare themselves. Mm. Once we bring the team together, you know, it, you know, I see it as an opportunity, but the, op- the challenge and opportunities that we have is to bring that team together, make it click, make sure the right staff's there, make sure that we're, we're providing the right support and, and in allowing them to go to the competitions and, you know, the competition and, and stand on the blocks with full confidence they've got everything they need to perform. Um, and that we've done everything we can. So for me, that's a great standard to step into. You know, I've been very fortunate to be part of the team for the last couple of years as a, as a support to Jocko. Um, and then obviously previously, previously to that, I've had access to be on the team myself. So I'm very familiar with it and I, mm. I feel pretty confident. I know what works well and, and my job is to make that continue. 
Mate, you mentioned there, you, you know, you're taking the reins from Jacques O'Verheron and, and he's led the Dolphins team for the past seven years. And I, I think done a tremendous job, especially, I believe, in leading us sort of out of that 2012 um, period, especially in the public eyes anyway, and into a very positive direction. And you've been a part of that setup now, as you mentioned. What, what have you learned from Jaco and, and his approach to, to that position? Well, the one thing uh, that I learned a lot in, in the recent time I've been working with Jaco in this role is uh, he's got poise, he's got, you know, clarity. He, he, nothing rattles him too much at all, if you'd even noticed. So he takes his time. He's very consistent. Um, uh, he's, he, he's very thoughtful. And uh, I think, you know, his true commitment is to making sure that the athletes and the coaches have what they need to get the job done. And I think, you know, it, it, it's all about a collaborative approach. And I think that's really where I see his strength. Mm-hmm. But he also has that really strong leadership and, and uh, you know, he's got the final say, so he really stands his ground in those spaces, but he definitely develops good collaboration in the lead up. And I find that to be very good. And I've watched him be consistent. I've watched him have to be firm when he needed to be. And, uh, and, 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 and I, I think consistency for me and is just the way he's temperament. He's very, very calm under, under pressure. Mate, he's Mr. Smooth. I spoke to him, a, yeah, as I said, a, a week or so ago and very charismatic and, I left that interview thinking he could sell ice to Eskimos. He was just very, very smooth with the way he spoke. Yeah, I think what you see is what you get as far as, you know, he's, he's, he's very direct, very, um, you know, presents himself, like I said, consistently. So mm. for me, authentic is the way I would, I would describe it. Yeah. Um, you know, I always fa- I find him, whether I'm on the phone or we're having dinner or wherever it is, or we're in a really high performance environment, I feel like he's the same. It's very, very much, very consistent. And that's comforting, been, comforting for, 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 for those working with him. Absolutely. Um, I, I've been fortunate enough to, to have quite a number of the Aussie athletes on the podcast. And one thing that struck me is that we're at a stage now where the team as a whole seem very mature, very experienced, very well balanced. And to the point when, when I ask them who the leaders amongst the group are, they often answer that anyone on the Australian team you know, has those leadership qualities and they can go to anyone for advice, which is obviously a great position to be in. Um, you've had a great perspective on that. Uh, is that the way you see it, that the team's in a really good position at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. You've got some defined leaders, leadership group with, with Bronte and Kate Campbell, Jess Hansen, Mitch Larkin and Alex Graham as the established uh, leaders. But, but I would suggest that for me, the way I see it, and you've just described it from the athlete's perspective, that their actions create leadership. And we, we talk about that. And that's something I've had you know, a, a, a great um, belief in over my time coaching is that you lead through example. You know, we hear it, it's a bit of a cliche, but, but if, you, if we can create an environment where you can get the job done on, on what you need to do to prepare and you fo- you're able to focus on that and really prepare yourself, just you doing that as leadership, if you do that appropriately, if you, if you, you know, you're professional in your approach and by you doing that and respecting the fact that others are doing their own. So you're giving them that respect through understanding it might be a little different. You know, everybody, we, we try to, you're bringing a group of individuals together and you're creating a team environment in, in a very short span of time. So you've got to allow that individuality, but you also got to understand it can be distracting if it's not done at a professional level. So mm. I always feel like if, if everybody's doing their working hard and preparing themselves, just, just their actions are going to inspire me. 
um, and that's leadership. So I think that's what we're, what we're seeing. In terms of the new role as head coach, which you take over in a few months, have you had time to sit back and, and have a look at where you think you can best be effective when you step in, where, where your strengths lie, I guess, and, um, and as a mentor, you know, how you can best implement those things when you start? Well, look, I think for me, my starting point is to maintain what we've developed and what Jocko's brought in. And in particular, the last year's campaign was a great, a great uh, example of that. Yeah. So I'm looking at maintaining that. And, and for me, it's through making sure I collaborate, communicate with, with, the, with the coaches and the athletes. And just to ensure that one of the things we were, we were focusing on this preparation is, is no new distractions, right? It's nothing new. Obviously, one of the consistencies is me taking the role on is it helps that, right? Yeah. But, but also making any sort of subtle changes for the sake of it is not on. So it's about maintenance first. Mm -hmm. And then clearly I'm going to have to make some calls um, within some of the potential scenarios that might roll out. You know, we don't know, but let's say, you know, we got to go quarantine in, in, in Tokyo in a particular place for a period of time. That's going to change some of the things we do and we might have, so you might have to bring different expertise into the environment because we need them there. Yeah. That's a very likely scenario. So I'm not going to make changes for the sake. I'm going to make changes that I think will help maintain that environment. So that's what motivates me. And uh, through, through discussions and collaboration, I'll, I'll, I'll actually, you know, get to the, to the right call, but I'll make the call at the end of the day, which is my job. Now, at one time, you were a very successful club coach uh, and for many years there with none awarding down in Victoria. And for all, all the listeners out there, and especially those who, who may not be as educated as you and I are about swimming and coaching, give us an insight into, you know, the difference between being the head coach of a high-profile swim club compared to, you know, what you're about to step into in being head coach of Australia because, you know, it certainly comes with its own pressures and own challenges. Well, I think first the word, the, the, the title coach, I'm not actually doing any coaching, right? Yep. That, I'm not actually doing any, probably the role that I did with, before with Jocko, that was a coach lead. I actually did a lot of on-deck coaching and supporting of the, of the coaches on teams. So I really just, re, you know, I was just helping them. I was like an assistant. Mm. It, it, this, this is this title. Um, so that's the difference, first of all. Probably secondly, the most probably challenging piece is um, – you're bringing together a bunch of club coaches, well, I would say club performance coaches. So you bring my previous role, I'm going into an environment with my athletes. My number one priority is them. Yeah. I'm, I'm now all of a sudden with a group of like-minded coaches who are all wanting a piece of the action and, you know, pool space and this and that and resources. And so you've got to manage a group of high achieving people mm. and coaches and high achieving people and athletes who are, really there for exact and you want them there for the reason that they're there for themselves so that's the difference is you're really just facilitating the environment and and trying to stay ahead of you're making sure that things are in place before they ask for it or and that's why the planning for this campaign is, is being ongoing for for last year um so more of a facilitator and a manager yeah. when you're on team and then with obviously as a performance club coach you're coming in you're working with your athletes you know you, you you're down on the deck and doing the technical things. In keeping with that theme, how much do you think being an elite coach uh, with a club team with like Nutter Wadding has helped you in terms of understanding what those club coaches are going to go through and, and how you can best help them when they need it? 
Yeah, well, definitely. I think first of all, the 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 the, the common understanding that helps the relationship. So first thing is for me, it's about the relationship and and having a, that understanding of what they have had to do. So that's part of the lead up yeah. process. So yeah, absolutely. Having that understanding, um, the challenges, the barriers, because they're all very different environments. They, they all might look the same from afar, but you know, whether some places have less facility space or they don't have an SNC coach as much. Or, so understanding that so that I can help prepare the environment, work with, with, with you know, your Jess Karanis's and Josie Bromley and all the different uh, um, staff we have to prepare the environment. We're really, um, you know, looking to enhance what, what, what they need mm. and what they maybe don't have. So I think having in that, that kind of background knowledge for myself as a coach and understanding what I expected too, I had high expectations, but also knowing what's, what's, I guess what's achievable and what's not. Some things are just not achievable that, you know, within yeah. whether it be budget or, or, you know, where we're traveling, you know, when we were at, um, uh, I was head coach of the world uni games. I'll give you a funny story, but yeah, the world uni games, and that's a good, good opportunity to lead a team. It's a team of about 20 athletes. It was in, um, it was in Taipei, mm-hmm. uh, 2000, I want to say 19. No, when was it? 17. Um, and, uh, uh, it was at a, it was an in pool, pool at a stadium, like a basketball stadium. And we stayed in a village and it's the second biggest event, like multi-sport participation. And the Olympics. it's probably the thing most like the Olympic environment as far as yeah. village. anyway, we get to the pool and it's like, there's a big pool and having a look around and I go out and they've got this above ground warm up pool outside the stadium and it's yeah. 35 degrees and it's stinking hot and, like, okay, it's a six lane 25. That's it <laughs> for, for a big multi-sport event. But not just that. We went there at nighttime for, for the first night of finals. They don't have outdoor lights. It's actually pitch black. <laughs> so all of us are running. And I've gone straight to the meet manager and said, hey, lights out there. Coaches were literally walking up and down the pool with their phones. With their phones. Think to yourself. I would, I would never, you know, you've got to be prepared for any environment that's thrown mm. at you. And there, and it's not just because there's a, you know, you watch on TV, oh, there's me. You, did, you didn't realize world championships last year that in Korea, the warm-up pool was uh, eight lane 50. That was it. Mm. And it was like absolutely like sardines. So I was spending the majority of my time at the training pool, which was an hour across town. Yeah. Um, instead of bringing athletes in there, so I was over there with them watching the, the swimming on TV in the morning, watching the heats. And uh, you just have to – so as a head coach coming in, um, for me looking at it and, and understanding that we got to really have a, have a plan for everything and then inform the coaches, inform the athletes to understand, you know, the mm. circumstance. You're going from swimming with two people in a lane on your own to then having to do a warm-up in – it's like age nationals. It's the same. Yeah. Exactly. Man, after hearing, after hearing that, I'm definitely going to stop complaining about warm-ups at uh, at Homebush. That's for sure. Let me give you a tip. What you need to do is, is, is before age nationals, you need to have at least two sessions a week with your guys where they all all have to do a, the session in one lane, so they get used to training yeah. and preparing in one lane. Just getting so, smashed. <laughs> used to it. Yeah. It's definitely an exciting time in Australian swimming, I think, and, and moving forward to 2021 in Tokyo, we've got, you know, superstars that have come through in this, you know, last seven to, to eight years, like Kyle Chalmers, Ariane Titmus, Kate and Bronte Campbell, Mac Horton, 
Clyde Lewis, I can keep going. You know, what will you be looking for as, as the head coach over the next 12 months? And what do you think some of the keys are to, to help the athletes be both physically and, and mentally ready to go? I, I spoke to Greg Troy uh, a few days ago and, and he mentioned to me just staying healthy is one of the keys. You know, this is a, a difficult period between now and, and then if it does go ahead. So staying healthy is key. What about you for yourself? Yeah, I think you you got to look at it in a couple stages. So the first stage right now is is getting access to back into training, and, and let's let's put this stay healthy stays all the way through. So that's a, that's a given. Yeah. But with with health, it's it's being back in. So if stage one is let's get let's just get people back in, and that we're pretty good. We're a pretty good chunk of a way down the path for most. I think all performance programs. So they've they've been pretty consistent, um, and not not punching it too early. We don't know we don't want to get injured. Mm. I think the second phase of that is is really ensuring that we we target and hit competition with purpose. I think the athletes need to use because we're not going to have much we're, any international overseas access. So our domestic competitions need to be meaningful and purposeful, and they need to you know really accumulate as many kind of hitouts that are have that, that they're really trying to to do something with that. So that's that your state championship series all the way through to, to your nationals. Um, and then I think we have a Sydney international meet in May and then, you know, then we have our trials. So I think that really important preparation, which they've done many times, but now it, you know, it's probably a little question marks coming into the brain a little bit because we've been out, but we can, we can help, um, from our point of view, help ensure that, uh, we, we create opportunity. We're going to have an event camp in February, bring the group together, you know, um, and we're going to put on a series of different things to, to, I guess, stimulate that for me from trials. I mean, obviously performing at trials is the key to getting on the team. Mm. But for me, looking at um, the best chance for those athletes you mentioned, plus another group of athletes coming through, we've got to get that conversion rate from trials to, to the Olympics, to the benchmark meet. We've got to make sure that's nice and high. Mm. So it's about preparing for that moment. So actually in, in advance saying, I'm going to swim fast trials. I'm going to swim fast Olympics. And this is what I'm doing to prepare. Now, that's what we're all doing, by the way. That's, I'm not saying anything that's not actually in play. Yeah. It's executing that. It's actually getting, putting in place all the building blocks to ensure that you can execute and then execute again at another level. Now, if we do that, we've got some really quality athletes. We, we, will, we will be in a good position. We can't control what others do. But for me, that's what I really want to see is uh, stay healthy, build your fitness, get competition ready, perform at the trials and perform again at the Olympics when it matters. And if you can convert those things, um, I think the outcomes will be, will be favorable. I think one thing that uh, fills me with so much confidence in terms of that actually being able to happen next year and seeing those conversions and just talking to Bronte before, before I jumped on here with you was, you know, her, um, you know, 2015, 2016, 16, sorry, success was all based off her experience through 2012, 13 and, and 14 and her going through those things. So as I touched on before, you know, how um, experienced the team has become now, you know, they've all been through those sorts of things. They've all, I guess, dealt with the, not lows, but disappointments of not converting. Um, so uh, yeah, as I said, I, I think that's sort of what fills me with so much um confidence in that that you know the team as you said is is very experienced yeah they are i think we've got a really good blend um and look that that obviously over time is going to going to change and evolve it's 
I think for me, you know, I've been working in that underpinning youth, youth space with, you know, the next generation of athletes and coaches as well as being able to be on team. So, you know, I came through the system with Bill Sweetenham and Don Talbot back in the 90s where, mm-hmm. you know, Bill, Bill Sweetenham's youth program, which had the great, great influence on me, was built around preparing the next generation of athletes and coaches. So when they did get on the team, they were in line with what was happening. And I think we've been able to get some of that momentum back with the, with, with, you know, we've got the state head coaches roles, you know, Ronnie McKeon, you have Drew McGregor in Queensland, you've got Lee Nugent, myself with, with Glenn Berenger and Jamie Salter working in, in, in collaboration with Jocko. I think we're getting some momentum. I don't think that's, yeah. I wouldn't say that's, but to me, I, when I step back and look, I say, when an athlete and a coach arrives on the national team for the first time, we want them to be, be prepared, right, yeah. for what's expected. And if, and if they are, then, then they fit in, and that's what you feel in that environment. And that's, that, to me, is the direction we're heading, and mm-hmm. we, need to, we need to invest more in that area so that you know, any young aspiring athletes and, and coaches who want to get, get onto the national team We'll, we'll help prepare them. The, the, we will help make sure that they not only can get on the team, but actually perform when it matters at that moment. And so what can we do to help that process? And I think we've got a good mix of that experience now and that you've... Hey, the Olympics are obviously foremost in our minds, given that, you know, what's happened this year and, and that they're only 12 months away now. But beyond that, um, do you have any aspirations as to where you'd like to see the team grow in, in any way? I, I know... You know, you're not quite in the job yet, so it's not an easy question for you, for you to feel. But is there an eye sort of on the future? And I, I guess you sort of touched on it just then in, in your last answer. Yeah, yeah. so that, that's, really, that's really what I believe is, is uh, you know, I look at it like a big swimming club. You know, if you've got a big swimming club program, you know, if you invest a lot in that underpinning talent coming through, you know, they really create that upward pressure and you, you build a really good top-end top Quality. And you also attract people to that. Um, I think that that development space, the coach development, helping develop our coaches and help develop our, our, our community of coaches um, is a really important investment. And then probably the third piece to that is um, competitions. I think mm. now, now the outcome will be the team will just get better and better in its capacity to convert and, and the group, the environment, if we invest in these spaces. So for me, our, our domestic competition, um, you know, I love what they're doing in New South Wales with that swimming league. Those types of things are really exciting for me. Yeah. I love that kind of, I grew up in the States, so I've got that college yeah. experience, high school and dual meets. And I think we can explore that space. You know, that to me is, you know, look, it's more of something that I've always felt that, you know, short, sharp, fast competitions have, have, a, have a really good value add for us in the development of our athletes and experiences they can they can absolutely be complementary and and actually uplift our traditional events that we have i'm not talking about replacing them absolutely not i'm talking about finding ways to make our domestic competition for the development of athletes not just for our top end guys i'm talking about developing our and, and attracting them and retaining them because so all of a sudden if we can build something so if you're telling me asking me sorry beyond 2021 i see a real investment in these areas mm-hmm. will lead to our team being better prepared and, and having, you know, basically better conversion rates. Mate, just on your own coaching career um, before we move on, and I mentioned, you know, you've been there at the highest level for, for two decades. You've experienced everything that the sport has to offer, including, you know, coaching Liesl 
to the gold uh, in in Beijing and you know some so many other highlights of your career what, what about for yourself what do you see as some of your highlights from from your perspective as a coach oh yeah. gee, you know it's hard um and I, i'm not trying to be disingenuous i think <laughs> no i know what you mean I, I have to be perfectly honest i've spent the last um probably three years spending more time reflecting and actually being a bit more appreciative of the experiences i had i think during the times i really and this is something I, I, I speak to other coaches about. I, I probably didn't enjoy the moments along the way as much as I, I, I should have. Yeah. Um, so, but in reflection, you know, what I'm proud of is, is I'm probably proud of the fact that, you know, um, that, that I was able to um, sit with an athlete. So from an individual basis, I was able to help an athlete. So you mentioned Travis Monty. You know, one yeah. of the examples is, 2012 Olympic trials, Travis finished fifth in the 200 back. He really wanted to go to the Olympics. I think he'd been on what we'd gone to world short course. He was going to world short course. So he's emerging. And we sat down and we went, what's the best chance for you to get on the Olympic team in four years? And it was a 400 IM. So we worked together and, then, and he took it on. He owned it. And I just helped facilitate the, those moments, you know, with those athletes like that. That's what, what I look back on. And I'm really kind of, I'm proud of not a particular, you know, not like a, scoreboard performance is yeah. probably more the participating and and i can say that about you know age group swimmers that i worked with over the years so to me it's you know high performance uh it's 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 sitting with somebody and helping them reach their goal and then i think ha having uh, a team that's really well represented i like the uh the recognition so if you walk into nutterwadding as an as a recent example and it happened when i was at Kerry and else, other places you know, even today when I go there, every kid's got a nunna cap on. Every coach is in uniform. And that was one of the things that, you know, I found was really important. It was about, you know, presence. And those are things that they're, they're non-negotiables that actually aren't enforced. They're just, it just happens, right? Yeah. I really like that. And, but when I went there, I used to say, if they didn't have a nunna cap on, I'd say, get a, get a nunna cap. You know, it's, and those things were important to me. Mm. And then to see them be sitting there. I think those are the types of things I'm proud of. Um, of course, absolutely. Of course, I was privileged to be a uh, part of Liesl's, uh success at the Olympics and, um, you know, very much privileged to be that. And I, I'm not downplaying at all, I think. Um, but that's her, that was her success. You know, me as a coach, I got to participate in it. Yeah. And I got to see it. And, and, and yes, I put a lot of hard work in with, 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 with my athletes and, you know, uh, you know, she, she's a, she's a champion. She's a champion um, uh, and deserved it a hundred percent did all the work, mm. but the, you know, for me, it's, 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 it's a range of those types of moments. Hey, was it hard for you to step away from coaching, you know, on a, on a club level? I know talking to Travis Marnie a few weeks ago on the podcast is a, a clear admiration for you as, as a mentor towards him. And was it hard to walk away from that and those relationships you'd built? Well, to be honest, it was, it, I'll talk about it in two phases. Absolutely was not a difficult decision for me to, to admit and acknowledge to myself that I didn't have four more years in myself. I didn't feel at that moment I had four years to give. Yeah. So I selfishly said, I've got to walk away. I didn't know for how long. I didn't know. Yeah. I just knew I needed to. It was just I, I, what, I was, what I was giving and how I was going about it was not balanced and you know, I've got a family and um, I just didn't think I could give another four years. So 
so that was my starting point. And then when I sat down with, with those athletes, it was, it was really difficult. It was really, really difficult because of those relationships. Absolutely was the difficult piece to tell Trav. And, you know, at the time, I think, who would I have? Jess, Hanson, Josh Beaver, um, you know, were the main ones. Belinda Hawking was sitting on the fence whether she was going to swim again or not. They were probably the, the main four I sat with. And, and spoke to them um, very difficult because you don't realize it until you walk away how, how strong those, those bonds are as far as uh, the reliability on you as a coach and your motivation through them. But I just, I just could not, I just said, look, I, I can't, I don't think I can give you four years. It's not fair for me to go on and, you know, be tired mentally and, and, and emotionally. So yeah, look, I, I didn't realize I'd be traveling down this path. Um, <laughs> yeah. In saying that, I've always aspired to, you know, I like leadership, so there's no doubt I'm, I'm not downplaying that. But I just needed to get off the pool deck and actually look back and say, you know, is it what I want to do? Is it not what I want to do? And I think this has been a perfect role that I've been in for reflecting and actually experiencing it. And to, to, be, to be fair and, and to be honest, I, I think there's been moments in the last three years where I've gone, yeah, I think I want to go back and coach. And yeah. I absolutely think I could. And when I say that, I think I could, meaning I think I could commit to it. Yeah. Um, and uh, I would definitely do things a lot differently um, for myself. Um, I definitely see things differently. But, you know, if I didn't have other opportunities, I probably, if that was all I had, I'd probably be on back on deck already. Mm. But uh, yeah, so never say never. I, I think, you know, I might be coaching juniors at some point in the future. I'd love to go back and coach at a junior level, that's for sure um that would be fun a lot of us uh, during this pandemic time have used the time to do things that we normally don't get time to do and, and we usually put off and might be reading books taking online courses i know bob bowman was baking and greg troy he's been fishing a lot what, what about yourself mate have you have you taken the time to get involved in anything um with this basically just doing <laughs> just trying to help people who are you know struggling now i think I think what I've done now, I've been, been doing what I can and that just keeps my mind active. Um, yeah. Look, real simple, more exercise, uh, not crazy, but just consistently, which has been good um, for myself. Um, mm. So I've been really taking that and apply and booking that time in for myself. So that's that. My family, we, we um, we're obviously we're living on, on, each, on each other's, uh, in each other's lap. So spending more time with them and which has been great. And, you know, just, being around. Um, and I think the, probably the other piece, and you mentioned the PD piece. So, um, I was fortunate enough to do a tour with some other coaches from other codes, other sports, um, in the, in the U S and we re kind of convened and it branched off early days into these on some online leadership type courses that we were accessing in the U S and then we'd have follow-up discussions. And this went on for about eight weeks, I probably did about eight weeks of that. And what I learned at that time, Robbie, was that, um, if I'm going to truly be able to mentor and influence, influence other people in, in helping them, I have to really invest that, that amount of time into myself as well. Yeah. Um, and I was probably not doing it as much as I, I was, I was living off of my own experiences, whereas I really need to broaden it. And so I found that that's got to be an equal amount of investment for myself. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting. I, I've, I love listening, you know, to other stories and you know whether it's around emotional intelligence emotional agility 
you know, your adaptability, just spaces around that, not necessarily coaching, but more about growth and development. So for me, that's probably been the one I've really invested in. You mentioned earlier you you're looking to get on the move and and head up uh, head up north. Where, whereabouts are you looking? Gold Coast, Brisbane, uh, Sunshine Coast. Well, the, the the initial move will be for me will be the Gold Coast from uh, for a temporary spot until my family comes up. Yeah, and that will be really just positioning myself where I can access the Brisbane office. Uh, which is in the southern part of Brisbane, and then yeah. access all the programs up there um, and, uh, and spend a bit of time. But obviously, I'll travel from there. Uh, where we will finally uh, end up, we, we do like the Sunshine Coast, um, mm-hmm. but I really got to get a, a feel of where I'm best placed. So if, I were to, if you'd impress me now, I'd say the Sunny Coast. Great spot. But, but uh, you know, um, that's more of a, you know, I'm prepared to travel on that, so it's not really about, it's just making sure I can get access in, in and out and all those things. But the family would be perfectly happy to be up there for sure. Yeah. I lived in um, Brisbane for four or five years and yeah, perfect spot because you, know, you can go up the coast and it takes you about 45 minutes and you go down the coast and it takes you just over 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, but as you said, anywhere you go there, it's pretty uh, easy to access all of those high performance um, podium centers that, that are around there. So Great choice in moving up there. I'm very jealous. I'm, I'm back in Sydney for, because my daughter um, was born and all our family and friends are in Sydney. So we sort of needed that family support. But uh, thank you. But I, yeah, I do miss um, living up in Queensland. I loved my time up there. Uh, yeah, well, um, we're looking forward now with the weather. I don't even know what it is. It's pouring rain down here. It's about eight degrees at the moment. So yeah. As you can see, I'm I'm actually yeah, rugged up. I'm, t- I'm telling you, I, which is, you know, I've got the heater on. It's still cold. It's just yeah. And this is where I, you know, every time we get into Melbourne winters, I think, ah, oh, what am I doing? But I've been doing it for twenty years, so whatever. I was, was going to ask you, is it snowing down there? <laughs> just by your jacket, you look like you're a bit cold. This is mate. my this is my my this is my light jacket. Usually, I have a like a buddy like a big park on. And just wear it because I'm, yeah. My wife likes the house at a certain temperature and it's not warm enough for me. And I uh, he goes, put a jacket on. All right. Finally, mate, I know we've touched on a lot with the elite swimmers in this chat, but a lot of age group swimmers out there do listen to the show. What, what advice would you give them and their coaches over the next, say, nine months to 10 months, you know, building towards age nationals next year and them, you know, trying to make maybe junior teams? Well, firstly, I think I mentioned earlier, you know, the, the most important thing is, is talent is talent. You've got an ability because, you know, that's a natural thing. So that's there. Swimming fitness, it, it comes and goes depending on, you know, if you take time off. We know that. So it's going to take a bit of time to build that fitness back up, but you got time. Mm. So be patient. I think the, the other piece is spend these first early, you know, eight to 12 weeks improving technique, improving skills, taking the time to, to work on those things that maybe, you know, you feel like you're pressured against, you know, preparing for a competition and doing, you know, real specific speed work that compromises technique. As coaches and athletes, I think it's it's really good time to take now to, to basically refine technique. And that's what all the, you know, I'll go in and see Mac Horton train with Craig Jackson and, you know, get, 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 I go into the non-awarding programs and looking at these athletes and, that's what those coaches are doing. They're just, just swimming 
easy with good technique, doing skills work and really taking the time to make those shifts. Mm. So that's my, my big, biggest piece of advice. When you go back to competition and that starts back, you know, start with a clean slate. You know, your first race is your first race. Um, comparing it to your last race before is really not required. It's yep. more start there and then build on that. And, uh, you know, yes, of course, we've got retrospective performances that you eventually want to get to and surpass, and I have no doubts you will. But I think if you start, like my first swim will be, what I'd say it's 100, 100 freestyle and you know, I go, I go 59.5. Okay, that's it. How did I swim it, coach? What was my, te- you know, get back in, train, and then actually you then have some real um, um, motivation and something to work towards. So when you start competing, build on that and then and really put to practice those skills that you improve in that, in that early couple months. So um, you're not going to forget how to compete. Competition's ingrained. Uh, you know, and talents, talents there. So I, I have confidence, but just take your time. Perfectly said, mate. I, I think we'll wrap it up there. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast for a chat. Uh, I know you're a very busy man and I, and I appreciate it, uh, it very much. And good luck over the next few months and taking the reins in the Australian team and ultimately guiding uh, the team towards 2021 Tokyo Olympics and wish you nothing but success um and you know we know both you and and the dolphins team will do us proud no matter what so thank you very much for coming on off the block swimming podcast thanks robbie appreciate it have have a great one today's episode of off the block swimming podcast is proudly brought to you by our good friends at pro swim workouts massive two shows today with grant hackett and rowan taylor thank you all so much for joining us coming on the journey as our season has premiered now we're also on youtube make sure you head over and check us out on there and subscribe coming up tomorrow on the show new zealand swimming's biggest rising star at the moment mr zach reed make sure you check it out we also have a special guest interviewer drop by and ask some uh, hard-hitting questions let's just say so that's one you will not want to miss until then though guys make sure you stay safe out there especially those of you in areas affected by the coronavirus at the moment down in melbourne and other parts of the world make sure you keep smiling and it's bye for now Just a